Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. It's your host, Odell, here for another SIL Dispatch. The live show focused on actionable Bitcoin and freedom tech discussion. We have a great conversation lined up today, but before we get there, I want to thank all the freaks who continue to support the show. Dispatch is purely funded by audience donations. We have no sponsors. We have no ads. Uh, so it's made possible thanks to all the amazing supporters who continue to support the show with Bitcoin. The easiest way to do that is by going to sildispatch.com slash donate. That will take you to our geyser.fund page where you can donate via Lightning or on-chain Bitcoin. There's a cool little message board there. You can leave a message. You can attach it to your Twitter if you want to climb the leaderboard. Or you can donate anonymously if that is your preference. You can also support the show using podcasting 2.0 apps like Breeze, Fountain Podcasts, Echo LN, Podverse.fm. They work like regular podcasting apps. You search Sill Dispatch, you press the subscribe button, but then you load it up with Bitcoin, choose how many sats per minute you think the show is worth, and then as you listen, those sats go directly to my node. Uh, it's incredibly cool and empowering seeing those sats flow in. So thank you to the freaks who continue to support that way. Also, Podcasting 2.0 has a feature called Boostergrams where you attach a comment to a amount of Bitcoin. And the top four comments from the previous episode, I read at the beginning of every dispatch. So with that said, we have Ride or Die Freak 8 Mithrandur with 7,778 sats saying, Odell at the end, this guy is based enough to agree with my Citadel theory. You are correct. We have at Tom Zarbuzan giving a Shaka sign and 7,777 sats. We have at Faded Flage with 6,789 sats saying, love you, love you as well, sir. And then we have at Kepford with 2,000 sats saying, hey, Matt, how's that top G life going? Stay humble, stack sats. That was fake news. Uh, appreciate all the support, freaks. Uh, last but not least, uh, Dispatch is a live show. Um, we have a live interactive chat that you can access via YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Matrix. The Matrix chat is at sildispatch.com slash chat. That is going on all day, every day, 24-7, 365. So consider joining us there. We have such great conversation there. But with all that said, I mean, you freaks who continue to join us in the live shows uh, make this show what it is. It makes it really, truly unique. So thank you all for participating. And one more shout is, I know it's a recession. I know it's a bear market. Eh, maybe it's not a bear market anymore. Who knows? Um, doesn't really matter. Stack sats. But uh, if you can't spare any sats, the easiest way to support the show is subscribing on your favorite platform, sharing it with friends and family, leaving a review. All of these things help. They are appreciated. Um, Dispatch is pretty much on every platform. Bitcoin TV, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, every podcast app. You just search the little Dispatch and uh, it's a great way to support the show. With all that said, we have a wonderful Tuesday morning here in Nashville at Bitcoin Park. I have my good friend uh, who's in town. Uh, so we had to sit down for this wonderful coffee morning rip. Um, we have David Bailey here, CEO of Bitcoin Magazine. How's it going, David? What's up, Matt? Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, this is my first podcast I've done in like a year. Uh, so, you know, I'm I was supposed to do some podcasts last week. I canceled because I was sick. So uh, thank you for, um, you know, being my first. Well, I didn't know that. I almost got rugged uh, prematurely there. That was, I'm glad. Uh, I'm not glad you got sick, but 
it's it's an honor to have you on Dispatch. I mean, before we get started, uh, one thing that I kind of forgot forgot to mention in the pre-show, um, you know, David kind of convinced me to move to Nashville. And then about two weeks after I moved here with my lovely wife, he then left Nashville and moved to Puerto Rico. Yeah, um, that was the real rug. Sorry. Yeah, it all started. It all started with a rug. Yeah. Well, hey, Nashville's a, um, a good second, second best. <laughs> Fair enough. How's, how's San Juan going? How's uh, Puerto Rico? Oh, it's great, man. It's great. It's, um, uh, you know, we got a good setup there. It's, you know, honestly, I feel like uh, we moved there to escape all the craziness. And as time goes on, like I, I, the America just looks crazier and crazier. And in Puerto Rico, like none of that shit happens. There's no school shootings. There's no, you, you know, know, Puerto Rico is in America, right? Though I, I do. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's not America in the sense of it's its own cultural identity. And yeah. it's like, uh, you know, if you tried to explain to people there, like, what trans is they're just like what the fuck are you talking about so i mean it's uh it's it's much more of like a spanish-speaking country um but yeah man i got sold on this this concept that puerto rico is the alamo um for freedom uh uh freedom loving bitcoiners and that we can build uh, our own nation there so that's what we're doing and you know it's a lot of fun it's like playing you know sim city except it's real and now you have like fruit trees in your backyard. Oh yeah, I'm like becoming a farmer. I uh, I have chickens. Um, I got uh, bananas, papayas. Uh, I have star fruit, grapefruit, oranges. I have cacao. I have these little uh, fruits called hobos. Um, I got avocados. I mean, dude, that's I, awesome. Yeah, we're we're trying to uh, become totally self sufficient on food and stuff. And like Puerto Rico. It's like miracle grows just dumped on everything that grows there every day. It's just like insane. So um, uh, when I get back, we'll have a bunch of uh, fruit to harvest. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm badass. trying to learn real life skills and Puerto Rico is kind of a playground to do it in. And uh, Have you learned any Spanish yet? Uh, uh, un poquito. <laughs> My daughter's first word so was actually no. uh, agua. And uh, our uh, first word was Spanish. Was Spanish. Look at that. And we had no idea. We're like, she's just like babbling a it lot. It means water. Yeah, water. And so, uh, yeah, it's like now I ha- I'm gonna have to learn it because my daughter knows like more Spanish than she knows knows English. So it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends there. I think a lot of the schools they do like uh, it's bilingual schooling. Yeah, right? they like teach you both in English and Spanish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know, when you get like bullied on the playground, you got to be able to like come back with your you know spanish comebacks so it's like do or die you gotta learn yeah um well that's awesome i look forward to visiting you all over there i mean you went there with a decent crew too yeah um just getting started though when nashville goes woke we'll we'll have puerto rico nice and ready for you when that happens i I wouldn't bet on it Um, by step how the flight's pretty easy too right yeah yeah i mean and and also one side benefit you pay no taxes Right. So if you have an ethical issue with well, no cap gains, right? That's the big advantage. N- no cap gains, 4% corporate income tax, no dividend tax and no um, uh, interest tax. So what people do, like what some of the people at our company do, they set up uh, companies in Puerto Rico. They provide consulting services to our business. Right. We pay the salary to their company. They pay a 4% tax on that money and then they dividend the money, the the profits 
to themselves at a zero percent tax rate. So you don't you don't pay federal income tax in that. Situation? No, you don't even have to file anything with the IRS. You don't even have to tell them you're alive. Wow. And then there's also something that well, first of all, I mean the cap gains thing will be would be nice if anyone had any gains this year. <laughs> um, the there there's like a the way that ruling is set up is like it screws the locals, right? It's uh. Like you only get it if you move there, yeah, not if you've yeah. been there already. Yeah, it's there's definitely like a, a some messed up stuff about it. It's actually one of the things we're trying to like lobby to change right now. We've gotten some some traction, but uh, yeah, you have to leave the island for ten years, um, and then come back in order to qualify, which is bullshit because then yeah. it means like all the gringos get this tax benefit and the locals don't get it. Right. So, um, and like the we looked into like the total amount of capital gains paid by Puerto Rican, uh. Uh, locals and it's like 40 million a year which is just like nothing right it's tiny so uh um yeah we we have this uh bill that we're trying to push it's called act 60 for all which would extend all the benefits uh to all puerto ricans um that the gringos get under that tax status so hey it's one That's team awesome. building one nation so um cool 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 um hey before we go into a different topic can we talk about podcasting 2.0 yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, so I'm interested to just hear, like, okay, you've been doing that for a while. Yes. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, a little bit over two years now. Uh, talk about the results of it and and how it's uh, changed over time. Because I, I saw Marty, uh, you know, throw out some video where he, he was, was flashing like, his like, sets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he likes doing that. It's yeah. a cool... Uh, it's a cool way to introduce someone to Bitcoin, or at least to the Lightning Network, to show, like, it actually works. And, and that when he was showing that video share of his phone that was his own node which is even cooler um because you don't you don't have to trust someone in between but uh podcasting 2.0 i mean the dream is very simple right uh right now most media on the internet is funded by ads uh it creates a bit of a conflict of interest um the ads are the the ad partners are your customers they're the ones you need to please um the audience is the product uh, that you're selling to the advertisers. There's a whole element of corporate surveillance built into that, right? Surveillance capitalism, where the more information you know about your audience, the easier it is to sell ads against them, right? And and everyone knows Correct. how corrupt that can be. Um, so so this is a this is not a new dream, right? We've already seen it kind of happen with Patreon and stuff, but this idea of like direct audience funding, where your audience is a customer, your incentives are completely aligned. And you want to provide them the most value because they're contributing value back. Um, what's cool about this is because it uses Bitcoin, because it uses interoperable monetary network, um, you can do it with very limited middlemen. So instead of paying Patreon 10% or, or whatnot, you can do it with very low fees um, and you can do it direct from user to uh, content creator or any kind of creator. Um, now, it's still very much early days. Uh, there's a lot of friction still. The key is trying to reduce the friction as much as possible. What's the main friction? The main friction is using Lightning in a sovereign way. Um, so like I run my own Lightning nodes. Uh, most podcasters that do podcasting 2.0 right now are, are doing custodial Lightning nodes. Um, and then on the sender side, every listener needs to have a Lightning wallet. Uh, and most of them are using custodial wallets right now. Um, so when I mentioned it earlier... When I when I did my little read in the beginning saying the podcasting 2.0 apps, right? Like Fountain Podcast is the number one podcasting 2.0 app. 
it's custodial by default. So when someone signs up to Fountain Podcast, they're loading up a custodial wallet. Yep. That custodial wallet is actually run by ZBD, uh, the 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 gaming infrastructure company. Um, so it's not even Fountain can't rug their users, but a third party company can rug Fountain users. Um, but that's to make it more. The the key with all these things is is what I've noticed is most people want to support good content, but they don't want to go out of their way to support good content, right? So you want to reduce the friction as much as possible, um, so that it's easy and it's it's easy for them to support. Um, but it's cool, like this whole ecosystem is building up now. The realist can you can you speak like how many people are using these apps, like and how much has it grown over the past year or two? It years? is. I mean, I don't know hard numbers. Um, but it's grown significantly. I mean, in the beginning, it was very niche. Um, so like Rabbit Hole Recap, my weekly news show, we do a hybrid approach. We still have some sponsors, and then people can also support with the idea that hopefully we'll switch fully to audience-funded. Still, Dispatch from the very beginning was like, let's prove out this concept. No, no sponsors ever. Um, and yeah, we have Mr. Robot in the comment saying if you go to newpodcastapps.com you can see all the different podcasting 2.0 apps that exist um the a lot more people are using it a lot more sats are flowing but it's still this couldn't be my full-time job like there's there's it is it is not uh we haven't hit the threshold yet where like the revenue from sats is um overtaking you know uh Ad revenue. Can you share what that number is? Like, um, what do you bring in per episode? I've had dispatch. I don't know. Probably dispatch is like two hundred to three hundred dollars an episode. Oh, that's not bad. So, um, yeah, but Peter McCormick's bringing in, you know, maybe ten thousand dollars an episode or fifteen thousand dollars an episode on the ad model. But right? the growth rate that you have on this on Fountain App is like a couple hundred percent a year or so. Probably bigger than that. Bigger than that. So like you're saying, like in two years time, you know. There's also this cool concept with it that, so like the way podcasting is very dominated by podcasting charts in terms of growth of shows. Um, so like people will just open Apple Podcasts, right? And they'll subscribe to the top 10 tech podcasts, right? Now that is a complete black box. How does Apple decide who is in the top 10, how does some Apple decide if you're number 15 or number like 25 or number 35 on fountain podcasts, you can go to their charts, right? It's all sats. And it's just whoever received the most sats that week. It's a very objective and there's a cost behind it. So like right now, like, could it be gamed? Yeah. Like I'll tell the freaks right now. I do not send sats to myself, but people could send sats themselves. Um, but as those numbers all increase, gaming it becomes more and more expensive uh to the to the creator and um it's just really cool i mean a huge shout out to to my audience because they continuously keep me on the top of those podcasting 2.0 charts nice so i i really do appreciate the support it's really cool it creates this whole dynamic i do think it's the future of content um i just think it's just very early and we're just kind of we're kind of building it out and if you look at the top charts they're almost it's like, uh, besides Adam Curry's show, and Adam Adam is a Bitcoiner now. Uh, if you look at the top ten, it's like maybe six of the shows are, are Bitcoin shows. If you include Adam's shows, um, which aren't directly Bitcoin shows, but he is a Bitcoiner. And all the Bitcoin is user uh, funded. What do you mean? Like the the Bitcoin that's that's um, 
like I subscribe to your podcast, I listen to, and I pay what per second I'm listening or per minute or per show? Um, yes. All of the above. It's it's all denominated in sats and paid in sats. Okay, so uh, and then the there's two elements. You, you can you can set a sats per minute, and, or you can send a flat amount, and that you can think of that as like a a global comment messaging board where it's just ranked by who sends the most sats. And then the um and then the sats that I have on the platform, I bought those sats. Correct. Got it. Well, there's a whole nother element where I mean, if we want to just go a little bit deeper. There's a whole other element where um, Fountain actually is paying out sats to people who listen as like a sats back to try and juice the whole system. Yeah. But that is not, I would call that separate from podcasting 2.0. That's a, that's a Fountain podcast growth strategy. And, and if you had to take a guess at like the number of people broadly using this app, like, or how many sats are flowing across like the top 10 shows, can you, can you see that? Well, like I know what, like I said, I'm, I'm bringing like, a million sats, two million sats a show, right? So that's two hundred to two hundred eighty to five hundred sixty dollars, right? And dispatch is routinely in top three Got podcasting it. two point. So like I have insight into it to a degree because I know what I make and I know I'm at the top of the charts. But the cool part about this is there's no centralized company that can really like lightning privacy has a lot to 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 do better, right? There's a lot of room for improvement there. But if you compare it to the traditional system where like Spotify knows exactly all this stuff, uh, it's hard to get direct insights into a global view of podcasting 2.0. And that's by design. That's a feature, not a bug, right? Yeah. Um, because you don't have middlemen everywhere that are able to see it. Now, right. maybe Fountain out of all companies probably could figure it out the most and extrapolate from there just because they probably... They're probably like 60% of podcasting 2.0 right now is run through Fountain. And a lot of podcasters, they made it really easy for like the Peter McCormick's of the world to onboard onto podcasting 2.0. You can just download the app. You basically link your RSS feed that you already have for podcasting and they set you up with a custodial wallet and they set up that whole thing. And so that's all we're running through custodian. So they can obviously see all those transactions. Cool. Right? We, uh, uh, we need to clone that for the uh, Bitcoin magazine app. The, uh, yeah. That's why I'm asking because it's the uh, it seems like I've seen growth on those platforms. I need to download and check it out. But um, and it's interesting for a media company. I mean, like for us to yeah. be able to monetize that way. But uh, the Bitcoin magazine app where we pay people now we're we're paying people to read content, which is kind of like what Fountain's doing. Exactly. Um, it doesn't go to the end content creator yet. But, um, you know, we're, we've gotten that up to I think we're at like twenty three thousand uh, unique uh, uh monthly or or daily i don't know monthly or daily active users and it's growing at like uh uh 10 to 15 percent month over month so i feel like there's um more and more of this the micro transaction driven content it's interesting it's interesting because there's two different uh philosophies about this and i disagree with uh my co-host on rabbit hole recap marty a lot on this is so marty thinks not to put words in his mouth, uh, but I'll, I will put words in his mouth. Uh, Marty thinks that Bitcoin enables way less friction on paywall content. Um, and, and he thinks, you know, you, you provide some content for free, but then you also put content behind a paywall. A little QR code pops up. You pay 10 cents or whatever, and, and then you're actually able to view the content. And then value for value is this idea that you provide it to the world for free. 
anyone can listen to this show for free. Uh, they can even torrent it. I provide all, all the shows out for torrent. Um, and then ideally, I hope that some people find value and they support. And maybe there's like 10% or like the ride or die audience that actually supports all the content. Um, and it's it should be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, does the paywall method work better? Does the value for value method work better? And I think the value for value method is is the one that wins because I think just information wants to be free. And I, you know, part of why I was willing to do this with dispatch is because I think the open source movement is hope. I think the open source movement is 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 what breaks us out of all these chains that breaks us out of like these corrupt institutions, including Bitcoin. Bitcoin as a subset of the open source movement, right? And and part of the what we do at the conferences is, is is trying to highlight open source contributors. That's one of my main focuses at at Bitcoin Magazine, um, and providing them free tickets and and doing all that. And I see firsthand that most of them are just working working out in the open contributing their time, their energy, their efforts with the hope that someone will appreciate it and they will get supported in the future. Right. And I think there's a lot of, there's a correlation there. Um, there's a comparison there between good content. Mm. Um, and it could be part of that whole same kind of movement to this movement to like more open free society. Mm. Um, Interesting. And maybe, maybe it's just, an interoperable native digital money that doesn't require permission was the final piece that was needed to kind of juice the whole thing. Well, I, I definitely agree with you that it's a uh, 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 distribution is the most valuable part. Content is going to zero. Yeah. Information is going to zero. It does want to be free. Uh, you know, I t- tweeted about this the other day, but chat GBT four is just going to like change the game of, of flooding content out there. And you're going to have a hard time charging for something uh, uh, when a robot created it for free. Well, there's thousands of hours of me saying every single word in the dictionary. Um, so I do wonder what that timeline is before there starts to be like bootleg AI Odell podcasts where I don't even have any control over yeah, endorsing shit coins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that might be the the least bad version of that. <laughs> Um, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fucking insane. Yeah. And then on the written content side, I mean, I don't even know, like that's like there, there's probably already writers that are at least half using chat GPT to, to tailor. I mean, I'm telling our, our editorial team that we need to be integrating it like deeply into the business. I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, we, my wife and I were playing with it the other day and we got it you know to write a, a children's book on bitcoin and monetary history in the voice of like dr seuss i think i posted the the what it spit out to us in the uh slack general chat and um honestly it's better than any children's book that's been written in this entire industry and it's like okay now we just need dolly to like generate some images for the pages right. and then literally in two hours of effort we created the best book yet in the market of children's book in the market right. on bitcoin it's like uh uh you know fundamentally that's just like that breaks how all the models work right now i do wonder um and maybe it's my i mean you've been in bitcoin longer than me but i'm just like an old man in bitcoin now um and i'm like a little bit uh raggedy around the edges uh 
the AI stuff is interesting because it reminds me of Bitcoin in that there's definitely signal there. Like it's going to completely change the world, but there seems like there's a lot of blockchain crap. And I've already spent all my cycles discerning the crap in the Bitcoin space. Yeah. So like I have no intention of doing that yeah. in the AI space. And I wonder how much of it is, how much of it is bullshit that, that is just noise and isn't actually any kind of revolution or anything. And then, and then what is the core signal? Cause there's, it, there definitely seems like a comparison there between like Bitcoin and, and quote unquote blockchain and crypto versus like some subset of AI versus the rest of the bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, uh, uh, the snake oil is always sold, you know, yeah. near the hottest thing. But I mean, have you used chat GPT for it all? Yes. Okay. It's I, extremely powerful. I mean, yeah, it's like it, yeah. the proof is in the, in what you can do with it. I mean, to be clear, the the guy who's behind is Sam Altman. He also psychopath. Is, he's like scanning poor people's eyes <laughs> yeah. around the world and then yeah. giving them his pre mined shitcoin world coin. Yeah. And you see, he just came out like his proof of hum humanness or proof of humanity. Was, I couldn't or tell if that was real or if that was an April. That was Fools. not an April Fool's joke. I think he launched he launched it on March thirty first to give himself a little bit of cover just in case he got too much. Dude, April 1st is the day to launch any product you're nervous about because exactly. then if it doesn't go well, you just, you just, uh, reading. I don't know if you saw Ryan Selkis announced that he was running for, uh, for Senate, uh, on April fools and got like a ton of traction. And he was like, that was an April fool's joke, but now I'm actually thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much of an April fool's joke that was. He's, he's had aspirations for office for yeah, yeah. since Mt. Gox went down. It feels like almost, yeah. um, but yeah, no, I, that that's some the world coin stuff people don't realize it's happening right now everyone thinks it just died um but that's some dystopian shit they're literally just scanning people's eyeballs and then giving them a shit coin in return well you know i uh i have very let's say immature thoughts on this in general just because like I very much have the same mindset it's like i i'm skeptical of anything i spend no time on anything until like there's something provably valuable that I can see. Right. Chat GPT four is the first AI thing I've seen where it's like, wow, this is, I can see the direct use of this. Um, but you know, we've been talking internally like, okay, you know, how long before we can give chat GPT four control of a Bitcoin wallet and, you know, have it start executing transactions autonomously. And then it's like, okay, start extending that idea a little bit. Like, okay, First off, like ChatGPT4 or any AI-generated economic activity is not going to be using fiat to do those transactions. Right. It's got to use Bitcoin. So it's like Bitcoin is really money for the AI. And then it's like, okay, well, one part of Bitcoin that's been talked about in the early days and completely undeveloped, and it's like something that I've wanted to see developed for a long time, is machine-to-machine -machine payments. Yep. And there was always this dream of like, the vending machine paying the drone to deliver soda to it and you know that economic activity happening without any human you right. know the car pays the gas pump yeah exactly um i feel like ai could be uh the first real example of that happening where you give ai a few hundred bucks in bitcoin you tell it hey i want you to achieve this there's a bunch of intermediate intermediary steps that need to happen in order to get there and it's going to use the bitcoin you gave it to pay its robot friends or right. different sensors you know. a politician exactly yeah and uh you know pay zip recruiter to put a posting for a job or whatever uh bitcoin's that missing piece it's there. the missing piece yeah. and it's like okay well if if you can really develop a machine-to-machine -machine economy 
first off, the scale that that can grow to is unfathomable. I mean, you're talking about like it can get many, many orders of magnitude bigger than human economic activity. Um, and then it's like your fiat's no good there. So when you start thinking about like purchasing power of money, it's like, okay, uh, it, it's almost like when people say, hey, what can you buy with Bitcoin? You know, like, can you buy your groceries with it? Okay, well, if we have a machine to machine economy, it's gonna be like, what can you buy with fiat? Like, right. You know, you can only do human to human interactions to a subset of humans. Um, my Bitcoin can, you know, harness the power of all machines. Right. So uh, I feel like it's a very unexplored. Uh, it's very early still. Yeah, for Bitcoin. But I think there's like a massive, immense opportunity there. I mean, massive. Um, you know, so I told I tweeted Balaji yesterday. He needs to bring back that 21 computer with the sensors where he had like that data marketplace. Right, where he's going to put a miner in every toaster. Yeah. And, and he was going to make it where you could like basically sell your uh, a sell an API to like your sensors of like weather or humidity or whatever. And it's like, OK, no one actually bought the data. That was the problem. But like right. with AI, it's like, OK, uh, I'm starting a farm. I need to grow uh, food on my farm. Um, what should I grow? Oh, I've tapped the sensors of people living in Puerto Rico to determine, you know, uh, elevation, humidity, soil samples types. This is the optimal thing that you should grow based on all these data endpoints. And I had to pay $12 to the sensors right, to collect this information. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that would be, I, you know, that that's next level. Like that's a really a cool idea. So it's kind of maybe Balaji's idea was like spot on, but just, uh, it was way a, too early. A decade too early. Maybe like his bet as well. Maybe a decade too early, but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely not before conference day. We're not going to have yeah. million dollar Bitcoin. I think what are we, we're down to like 76 days now. Million dollars in 76 days. That would be some crazy shit. Um, on, the AI, on the AI topic, it's interesting because there's two elements there with AI and Bitcoin that I've kind of been focused on. First of all, I agree like, the money for for AI is obviously Bitcoin. They they need a trust minimized, digitally native, settled money, right? They're, they're not going to use a bunch of different fiat rails and intermediaries and whatnot. That that much is very obvious. Um, there's some cool things that could happen in terms of you know a lot of my focus has has historically been on education in the Bitcoin space. We were just talking about friction with podcasting 2.0 and using Lightning in a self custody way. Like a bunch of different things can get automated behind the scenes just by integrating AI into wallets or basic AI into wallets. Um, but then there's this whole other element where there's, there's this term that, that I've seen floating around now called AI anxiety, which is like all these, all these people that, you know, have quite frankly jobs that can be replaced very easily by AI uh, are concerned about their livelihoods um, and people are pushing for them to be regulated and all this other stuff. Um, and to me, like Bitcoin is almost AI insurance. So like you can pay the AI and you can interact with the AI using Bitcoin, but ultimately at the end of the day, the AI can't counterfeit your Bitcoin. They can't seize or block your Bitcoin. Um, so like if you want money that's resilient to AI interference, that's probably Bitcoin as well. Yeah, no, uh, uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Green from our team, we were having a conversation about this last night <laughs> and he was telling me there's something called like the paperclip problem. I mean, I, again, I'm a novice at all this stuff. So, yeah. I, uh, but Same. The, the paperclip problem where it's like if you tell AI to like make a paperclip, like 
uh, it will like end up consuming all the resources of the world to make as many paper clips until like it's like you know destroyed the planet in the process of making paper clips, <laughs> and um, uh, that the solution to this problem is Bitcoin because it can't create more Bitcoin. Right. And so if if Bitcoin becomes the value system of AI, um, unlike with fiat, where you the Cantillion effect makes it where you can literally manipulate the inputs that an AI would use in order to determine what the next steps are um, w- with with Bitcoin, you're actually introducing the concept of scarcity to AI so that it would choose not to do certain decisions or actions because it costs too much. It costs too much. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, that's like the feedback mechanism that actually like keeps AI bound to some like moral system, which is like free trade, capitalism, right. like property rights. Like that's the guiding light of it's like the letting check. these things run rampant. Yeah. Yeah. It's the ultimate check. It's the only check. Yeah. And I would say there's another element there too, where it's like we're seeing, and maybe this is just my open source bias, but we're seeing it's going to be at the forefront of people's minds very soon. This idea of closed software and like proprietary black boxes, like what is chat GPT doing in the background? Uh, you know, what does Sam Altman know that nobody else knows? Because if you control the the primary AI yeah. platforms, you have immense power. We've already seen like That's gonna be chat GPT has, is like hard coded with certain political biases and stuff. Um, so I think more important than ever is this idea of, of open open protocols, open platforms. Um, it would be nice to see some real strong competition there in, in terms of like open source AI. I don't know. Right. If that's like I said, I'm an open AI. <laughs> yeah. Which is not open at all. Yeah, no, I think, well, that's I, the naming. I definitely think that that's a major problem. I don't know how like that's going to play out, but you but know, maybe Bitcoin has something to do with that. Maybe it's like an open platform that can leverage Bitcoin and becomes more of a, you, you know, the, the, uh, the, I, to the question of like people having anxiety about losing their trade, it's like how many open source developers are there in Bitcoin? I don't know, not enough. Uh, Ten thousand? Yeah, if that. Yeah. Okay. How many users are there in Bitcoin? There's about 120 that have applied for free tickets. Yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, and then like how many users of Bitcoin are there? Fifty million. Yeah, that's probably probably maybe. I a user of Bitcoin is someone who holds their own keys, in my opinion. Yeah, that then less way less than fifty yeah. million. But like, okay, how many of those people would be open source developers if they could be, if they had the skill set or the talent set? Right. And so, like, that's the power of of you know AI is like not people losing their trade because of it's redundant. It's actually people gaining new trades that they never would have had the ability or the to contribute to and now all of a sudden you could have a million open source contributors because they're able to deploy the right prompts they're able to like come up with the right creative ideas to contribute in some way even if they don't have the technical skill themselves no yeah i mean people are just gonna have to adapt as as always right yeah good it's like the industrial revolution. Yeah, there. fuck laziness. Yeah, you got know, to you got to stay on your toes. Well, as, as I said earlier, you know, dispatches of the future will just be AI. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But in the meantime, try and accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible, so you have optionality. It's <laughs> kind of the thesis I'm going on. Yeah. Um. So I mean, we have we have some time constraints in our conversation here. I would like to talk while I have you. Um. I would like to talk about. How Barry Silbert owes billions of dollars to people. Yeah. Um, 
You want to jump into that? Yeah. Where do you want to begin? I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I've been doing some uh, Twitter spaces, but I don't think I've talked about this on a podcast at all since it all went down. So do you want me to start at the beginning or do you want me to start at the end? Let's let's start at the beginning. I mean, I remember when I was first sounding the alarm, everyone was focused on um, CZ and Binance. Um, and I started tweeting out that that DCG was fucked and uh, people were calling me an alarmist and an idiot. And meanwhile, that was 150 days ago or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they're still fucked. So. Yeah. No. So, um, you know, basically, uh, uh, oh, man, where to begin? I haven't practiced telling the story in a like you know in well, a consolidated let's way. Let's begin but. with uh, so so Digital Currency Group is Barry Silbert's baby. Yeah, um, they were the absolute titans uh, in the Bitcoin and quote unquote crypto industry yep. for years. Um, his 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 star product was GBTC or is GBTC? It still yep. exists yep. now. And um, yeah, so he, he has really two businesses. Well, he has a good portfolio of businesses, to be honest, because uh, I think Foundry is a good company. I've heard good largest things. mining pool in the world. Yep, I've heard good things about Luno. Um, but what the hell's Luno? It's an international exchange. Um, it's like OTC. Or? Yeah, it's like focused on. Well, no, it's a. It's like a, you know, a bid stamp or Binance. really? Yeah, but it's like focused on international markets, which I think is cool to bring Bitcoin okay. to those markets so um but um he like his two core businesses were genesis which was a, a trading desk um and lending desk um that every institution in the industry used and then uh, grayscale which was his trust product and basically he was in the business of taking different digital assets uh bundling them together in these these trusts and then getting these trusts listed on the on the public markets, um, so that retail investors in their four hundred one k or whatever could buy them. You could just buy them on Charles Schwab or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, I mean, he really pioneered uh, that method. It was kind of a, a backdoor method to allowing people to buy Bitcoin in their brokerage accounts or whatever. Um, and it started with Bitcoin, but then it expanded to a whole host of shitcoins. So many shitcoins. Uh, and, you know, honestly, if you go through the list and read like what it is, is like some of these are like you could just know like live peer or some shit like that or horizon. And it's like what backroom deal got done where like, you know, they horizon, got a bunch of pre mine and then yeah. made it happen. Yeah. So it's like, you know, uh, if any like if the SEC is listening to this, it, you know, if you want a cookie trail to go follow, uh, just look at all the shitcoin trusts and then find the documentation for how those things are created. But anyway, um, uh, so, yeah, he created these uh, uh, these vehicles and the Bitcoin trust specifically um, became uh, the biggest holding of Bitcoin in the world. So it has about three percent of the world's Bitcoin in it, 620, 630,000 Bitcoins right now. Um and he charges uh, a fee, a, a pretty high fee. wasn't that high when it got started. I mean, because it was a new product. But now that it's a commoditized solution, um, uh, he charges two percent of the NAV uh, per year. And so collectively across these assets, he ha he has maybe twenty billion dollars um, at today's prices of different crypto um, in these trusts. And he's taking two percent or more, two and a half percent on some of them um, off the top. Um, it's kind of like a model you can't believe you could lose with because pure cash cow. It's just a pure cash cow. 
Um, but somehow, incredibly, that wasn't enough. And so Barry was like, how do we take this up a notch? And um, that's where Genesis, uh, his lending desk comes in, um, where they were using other people's money because Genesis, you, you deposited your crypto there to, to earn yield, your Bitcoin there to earn yield. Um, so he was using your Bitcoin, your cash uh, to finance a whole, a whole host of interesting characters. You would um, lend him Bitcoin so then he could lend the Bitcoin out. Yeah, you deposit cash or Bitcoin okay. with him and he'd offer you 4% or, or okay. whatever. Um, and then he'd turn around and do a trade with you know the great folks at Alameda right. or Celsius or Three, uh, arrow. three Arrows. Um, really just the best, the best of the industry, uh, you could say. Um, and he would finance, uh, uh, them, um, taking that money, uh, the, the, the other people's money depositing into his trust, which it can never leave from, um, and then letting them use the shares that were generated from depositing the money into the trust as collateral to borrow more money to put into the trust. And so it was kind of this flywheel for basically just sucking money out of Genesis and piling it into Grayscale, knowing that... And he makes double dips, gets the fees off that. Correct. And he knows that once it goes into Grayscale, there's no way for it to come out. Right. So uh, this is how he was able to run up this massive... Because it's not a proper ETF, so yeah, it's almost a one-way street in. So I'll explain that real quick. So it's a closed-in fund, um, uh, which, which basically... Uh, means that there's a, a process of creating and redeeming shares in the trust. Um, but um, you actually have to go through a, uh, um, a redemption process. It's a limited number of people who can actually go through that redemption process. And uh, ultimately, they stopped the redemption process about four or five years ago. So you can only put uh, Bitcoin into the trust. You, can, you can't take it out. Why until did they stop the redemption process? Uh, because they aren't allowed to be an ETF. They right. didn't get ETF approval. And so doing creation and redemption is basically an, an ETF. And um, uh, the SEC uh, made them pay like a $10,000 fine or something and, and uh, stop redemptions. Um, but the key thing is, is it wasn't that they just can't do redemptions. It's that they can't do creations and redemptions at the same time. So if they want to just create new shares in the trust, which means you deposit Bitcoin, they create new shares and give them to you and you can go and sell them on the secondary to other people. Right. Uh, that's okay. Which was for a while it was a premium. Right? Yeah. Which yeah. is what people were doing. They were they were putting in Bitcoin and then they were getting shares that were worth maybe 30% more, more or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So there was this ARB trade going on. Right. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, so they, um, you can do the creation or if you're not doing creation of shares, um, you can do redemption, but you can only do one at a time. You can't do both. Okay, that's the that's the key right. thing. So, uh, um, yeah, while they were trading at a premium, that was fine because people just wanted to create shares and then dump them in the in the secondary market right. and and make that premium. Um, and so, a lot of people did that. A lot of funds, our fund did that. Right. Um, and um, what our fund didn't do though was all of that activity actually being financed uh via Barry at Genesis. Right. Um so, so you just took your own money, put it in for the ARB trade. Yeah, exactly. And uh you had to go through a process called seasoning as well. So it means that when you when you create the shares, the shares have to season for like uh, at first it was 12 months and then it became six months. 
Um, and then after that period of time, you could sell the shares. So there's a lockup. There's a lockup. Yeah, basically. So um, and then it flipped negative on all your assets while you were in the lockup. Correct. Correct. And what's also interesting is that for people who were doing this financing trade at Genesis, um, you were able to use the shares as collateral, um, even though they're supposed to be locked up and they're supposed to have to go through seasoning. Uh, unseasoned shares could be used as if they were seasoned at Genesis. To get instant liquidity. Right? Yeah, get instant liquidity, which is then creates this, uh, uh, what was the word they used, uh, this cycle trade. You know, I was uh, talking to one regulator. I was explaining to him like, this, like, oh, was, we called it the cycle trade. And, and he was like, cycle trade? He's like, you know, we have a term that we use in, uh, you know, regulation for that type of trade. We call it a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but so anyway. So this is all fine and dandy while this is trading at a premium. When it flips to a discount, all these people that levered up to do that trade, they all blow up. So Alameda blows up, uh, um, uh, Three Arrows blows up, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when they blow up, um, it means that they can't pay back the money that they borrowed from Barry. So when they can't pay back the money they borrowed from Barry, it wasn't Barry's money. It was the depositors at, at Genesis's money. It means they couldn't pay back those users. And so who were those users? It was Bitvavo's 200,000 users. It was Gemini's 200,000 users. It was a whole host of OGs. I don't know if you've gone through down the creditors list. It's very no. sad. It's a lot of OG Bitcoiners from the uh, old days, like losing 50 million, 40 million. I mean, brutal stuff. Um, so yeah, so Barry proceeds to vaporize. Um, I think it's $5 billion. Um, oof, that was vaporized there. Now, um, uh, there are a whole host of things that we, uh, if we have time, we can get into or not, but um, about sketchy shit that was happening at Genesis as it relates to um, blackmail, as it relates to um, Alameda, as it relates to Sam Bankman Fried's Ponzi scheme and F FTT, his token. Maybe we save that for later. They did some loans with FTT as collateral. Billions of dollars in loans. Billions. Bribes being paid. All sorts of sketchy shit. So, um, but just to stay focused on the topic. Uh, so, Grayscale, trading at a 30% premium. Well, now as all these firms blow up and these shares that they were holding have to be liquidated, the 30% premium, it becomes a 50% discount. So, you know, uh, for simplicity's sake, we'll use today's prices, but $20 billion in assets and the underlying assets that are sitting in this trust are trading for $10 billion. Right. So, um, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. That's right. bullshit. Um, and a lot of people were frustrated about it before they knew about all this financing stuff. But then when it came out that, oh, the reason why it's trading at a discount is because Barry was, you know running effectively a Ponzi scheme at, right. at Genesis. And it's really, you know, his malfeasance that caused this. Um, a lot of people got like more than just, you know, frustrated and they got pissed. And so uh, my part of this, this journey here began when uh, I fucking made some tweets complaining about this and um, pointing out that it seems like what they were doing um has a lot of similarities to what Sam was doing at FTX. Right. And uh, I started getting flooded with uh, messages, emails, et cetera. And so we threw up a little website called redeemgbtc.com. Um, 
so that we could just like systematize people reaching out to us. Right. Um, and over 3000 investors uh, representing roughly 35% of all the GBTC wow. shares uh, reached out through that site. Um, and dude, the horror stories that we heard from people just disgusting. I mean, uh, uh, we read, we read, uh, we got one comment from a guy who said he put his entire, um, 401k in this thing when it was trading at a 30% discount or 30% premium and now it's trading at a 50% discount. So he's down, you know, over 80% and he's having to go back and get a new job because he doesn't have enough money to survive. You know, people, I mean, just, just brutal stuff. And this product, I think, hit worse because, like, the people buying this, they weren't buying. These aren't degens on FTX buying a shit coin that they're right. pumping and dumping. These are like old people in their four hundred one k's on Fidelity and on Charles Schwab buying this, and like from the grown up responsible. Right. You remember the ads? It was supposed to be like the safe way to invest. Yeah, in yeah. Drop gold, yeah. buy Bitcoin. Exactly. <laughs> so. um and on the Gemini side, it's really brutal because Gemini was so Gemini's earned product used Genesis. So anyone who was in Gemini's earned product got rugged and still hasn't seen their money to this point. And I mean, I remember all the Gemini ads running through New York. Crypto needs rules. You know, this is the safe place. Crypto needs trust, I think, was one of them yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, and I, I, I had a friend. I have a friend, you know, he's decently well off and he got rugged in that and he told me that essentially like they were just getting emails from gemini it's like oh you already have money in your gemini account like why don't you want to make five percent off of that like you might as well move it over and there was not a clear delineation that like you were there was obviously like bunches of terms and conditions and stuff that nobody read um but there wasn't a clear delineation of like oh if you move it into this thing we're going to lend it out to dgens yeah well, and even if they had said we're going to lend out to DCG, people were like, oh, okay, the responsible right. company. Little did they know that that's actually all the DGENs you know were actually getting their money from Genesis. It was right. like the central bank of the DGENs. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so um, uh, yeah, a lot of people have been wrecked. GBTC has about eight hundred fifty thousand shareholders. So you know, between Genesis and uh, GBTC, this is include like ETHE and the other trust products. I mean, you're talking about um, almost two million people uh, that have been, you know, basically wiped out uh, on their investment here, um, which, in you know, based on what I've heard, is is relatively on the same scale um, as FTX in terms of users affected, and bigger than FTX in terms of dollars lost. Um, if you combine the two, I mean, almost twice as big as FTX. So, uh, kind of staggering to put it was like three billion, four billion dollars or something. At, well, I think eight billion was lost at FTX, uh, but they lost five billion at Genesis. But they were down ten billion at GBTC alone. So, oh, wow. so in terms of the discount. So, this is the state of the situation. And then they collect fees based on the total value. Not yeah. The, so not that's the an, discount. That's another value, fucked right? up part of about this. Is so like in the. Dude, this has been just this whole year has been a lesson in like, and they could the just lower their fees like super easy if they wanted to be a little bit ethical about it, right? They could redeem people out of the trust today if they wanted to. Okay, if they wanted to, right? So, but this yeah, is their cash cow. It's this like is the their only cash thing cow. that makes money. Correct. Yeah. So the 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 fees are calculated on it on NAV, which means that when it's trading at a fifty percent discount, 
um, your fees are actually closer to 4%. It's double. Yeah, yeah, it's double. And if, if let's say the situation devolved more and it went to a 75% discount, which there's no reason why that's impossible. Um, okay, now you're paying an 8% fee effectively. So like there's a death spiral situation here too, which is like who in their right mind would buy this product when the, the effective fees are just like... like... The only reason it's not trading at even larger discounts is because everyone's kind of banking on on him on him losing his battle and, and losing control of the trust and then getting redeemed. Right? Yes. Yes. It's uh, like the opposite of faith in Barry. It's like <laughs> lack of faith in Barry is propping up the, the, the so price. there's, there's that piece. And then there's the piece of like, they're claiming they're still trying to get an ETF approved, right? They keep pretending. Yeah. Kind of so like they, they, um, cause if an ETF gets approved, approved theoretically, then it goes right back to nav. Yeah. And cause then, then people can that. redeem out. Yeah. Um, you know, I find it very hard to believe that it will be approved when they're fucking suing the SEC right now. Yeah, like they're under criminal investigation. Like there's a DOJ investigation. Uh, you know, words like fraud and Ponzi are being thrown out there. The funds, the trust has been completely mismanaged. There are securities violations and, and security laws that were just disregarded by Barry at Genesis. And it's like, yeah, you're gonna get the first ETF ahead right. of Fidelity. Uh, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. But <laughs> so they're selling the dream though. And, um, uh, you know, it's actually kind of ironic. Uh, this is some, some alpha I'll share here that I, is not out there publicly, but, um, the, the, uh, ETF, if it was approved would actually be disastrous for Barry, because if the ETF is approved, the fees on the trust are going to come from 2% on NAV down to let's call it 50 basis points. So he's going to lose half a percent. Yeah. Half a percent. So he's going to lose 75% of his fee income and there's going to be redemptions out of the trust because this money has been locked up for so long. Yeah. So people are just ready to go to the exits. So his total AUM might fall by 30%. Why would the fees go lower? Should he be required to? Because there's other products that have uh, the same mechanics and have fees that are substantially less. So like, why am I going to hold my Bitcoin at a two percent fee? In oh, because of redemptions. Because redemptions open up, he has to compete on fees. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like right now, you're just like a prisoner. Right. So, but they locked you in there. So there's nothing you can do about exactly. it. Exactly. So the uh, so he needs that money in order to keep DCG from going bankrupt right now. So he needs you to think that an ETF is on the table while also not actually getting the ETF. Correct. I was actually. AKA is just completely fucked. Uh, let me let me think how to obscure this a little bit. Uh, I have heard through the grapevine that they have contemplated a situation in which the ETF is approved, and they have already designed mechanics uh, so that even if an ETF was approved this year, it would take years before it could go live. So even though they could go right away, right? They're they have they're gonna have multiple years of excuses while you're still gonna be stuck in the trust, still paying the fees, even though they're approved for an ETF. So fucked up. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah. So they uh, 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 that process is um is ongoing, and you know another interesting piece of this is like their 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 whole point is like, hey, we're gonna get become an ETF, but that only applies to like the Bitcoin part of it. All the shit coins the eth right that's never gonna I be i pulled it up by the way just to list their trust they have the bitcoin cash trust 
They have the basic attention token trust, the chain link trust, the decentraland trust, the Ethereum classic trust, the Ethereum trust, the Filecoin trust, the Horizon trust, the Litecoin trust, the Live Peer trust, the Solana trust, the Stellar Lumens trust, the Zcash trust, the decentralized finance fund, and the digital large cap fund, and the smart contract platform X Ethereum fund. Yeah, when do you think the Decentraland ETF is going to be approved? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, these are these are wrappers on unregistered securities. I mean, it's like yeah. like hey, we're going to create a security out of an unregistered security. <laughs> so and then sell it to retail on top. <laughs> their retirement accounts. Yeah. And then charge a ridiculous fee on top. <laughs> and then sue the SEC when they told us to become an ETF. It's, it's so absurd. Uh but uh so Damn. so so yeah, so like they don't even have like a logical uh uh like argument for those things and um yeah so uh that is um that is the state of play and so now uh there are a bunch of institutions there are a bunch of sophisticated investors there are a bunch of bitcoin stalwarts people that are well loved and respected in this uh, industry that are working diligently behind the scenes to uh bring the empire that is dcg or was dcg uh down um, and to free the Bitcoin that is in the trust. And they're doing that through a variety of means, legal means. There's there's a class action lawsuit. Uh, well, there's a lawsuit likely to become a class action lawsuit that was filed by FTX. Um, we have a books and records request uh, com- uh, complaint that we filed in Delaware. Um, there's a hedge fund called Furtree that's filed their own books and records request in Delaware. There's a fund called Offspree that sued uh, via um, anti-competitive grounds in in, uh, in I don't remember what state, um, not Delaware, but Massachusetts or something. Um, so they, they have their own GBTC product, Offspree or whatever. Yeah, closed end fund. Yeah, and uh, so like that is actually something kind of cool. Like uh, so, DCG has been like lying, or Grayscale has been lying that they can't do redemptions, and so. Um, uh, Osprey was like, hey, um, not only can you do redemptions, but our fund that's suffering from the same problem, we're actually going to do the redemptions and and file the reg relief that we have to file for to do it um, at Osprey ourselves and issue redemptions at Osprey to prove that it can be done. They also had a negative. They also traded at a, at a, a discount. Negative. Yeah, and so like they're about to begin off begin the redemptions in Osprey, um, and it's like. I mean, it's kind of awkward because it's just like, okay, yeah. like you're clearly lying. Grayscale, here's a, a competitor doing the same thing and they're able to offer it. Um, so uh, uh, there's a bunch of industry companies. There's another company, uh, uh, 3IQ, that is trying to do like a hostile uh, Canadian uh, takeover. Or uh, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but it's cool. Uh, I like the term hostile Canadian takeover. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's basically like, hey, you can't get an ETF approved in America, but we have one approved in Canada. So right. we'll just consume the shares and then let you redeem for Bitcoin in Canada. It's a cool concept. Um, uh, and then there are a bunch of uh, lobbying groups that have been uh, leveraged up that are going out there talking to regulators, talking to the SEC, talking to state regulators, talking to FINRA, talking to um, anyone that will listen to to get this trust busted open. So, you know, from my perspective, like I'm, we're in the middle of it as just a uh, let's say uh, connector of all these different parties that are around the table. Um, 
this trust is going to get busted. It's just uh, how is it going to get busted and um, how long does it take? And so, um, yeah, that's I'm, I'm spending about, I'd say, 50% of my time, uh, a little bit less with the conference wow. coming up, but uh, on this. And it is uh, honestly, when we're, when we're successful busting this trust, it's going to be the dopest thing I've ever been a part of in Bitcoin, other than the Bitcoin conference, which is fucking the dopest shit. But uh, like this is a this is the biggest activist shareholder campaign in history. It's the first activist shareholder campaign organized over Twitter in history. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, we're going to bust this fucking trust. And uh, I think it's going to happen sooner than people expect. Uh, and I think it's going to get uh, very crazy very soon. So from my seat, um, obviously not your keys, not your coins. Uh, another prime, ex- this whole year has just been prime examples of, of custodial risk. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, I think a lot of people have learned this lesson the expensive way. Um, but I guess my question is, as someone who who holds self-custody that is not directly exposed to GBTC, doesn't own any GBTC products, I'm not a FTX creditor, a bunch of, I'm not stuck on Gemini Earn. Um, what do you think the impact is to, is there an impact? Like, can most people that are just, Staying humble and stacking sites and holding their own keys, just safely ignore this and just let you guys run with it and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I think um, uh, I think definitely there is alignment amongst all the parties that however this trust gets redeemed to do it in a way that it minimizes its impact on the market. And there's a variety of different perspectives of what happens if you redeem the trust. I mean, there's 630,000 Bitcoins in this. That's a shit ton. That's three Mt. Goxes right. uh, of Bitcoins. Um, so uh, there are a lot of different uh, opinions. Three Mt. Goxes worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, like I, I'm actually of the opinion when the trust gets redeemed, the price of Bitcoin will go up um, rather than going down. Some people think it'll go down. Um, and you know, I, I, uh, uh, I think broadly, um, you know, it's going to be good for the entire industry, uh, to have this scam gone. Right. That's uh, in everyone's best interest. That's in everyone's best interest. Just a bad look on all of us. A lot of the Ponzi schemes that existed in the space, the source of where the Ponzi came from was this ARB trade on GBTC and Genesis. And so like, it's gonna, th- I- I've called it the ring of power, like, like Barry is Sauron and he has the ring of power and he's like corrupting all the creatures of Middle Earth like over time. So it's like when the ring of power is gone, it's going to remove a a massive catalyst and funding source for all of this bullshit and Ponzi scheming stuff that's been going that's on. That's interesting. And um, there's a million people that once this thing is re- re- redeemable, they're going to be able to take control of their own keys and we're going to basically add 2% to the... Well, how many people do you think own uh, hold their own keys? Like 20 million or something? 20 million. Okay, so if we get a million people that redeem out of this trust and hold their own keys, we've just added 5% to the user base of actual Bitcoin But uh, do you think I, I, a lot of them are just going like, to go to Fidelity and just have Fidelity hold Yeah, keys, probably. Right? But I mean, I'll say of the people that I've heard from, uh, people were like, I never understood the value of holding your own keys yeah, exactly. until GBTC. So it's been a massive advertising campaign for why 
not to trust other people with your with your Bitcoin. Um, the buddy I said about Gemini Earn, I mean, the freaks can imagine he was he's a college friend of mine. Um, I was incessant, even up to like three weeks before all this blew up. Hold your own keys, withdraw. He's like, no, nah, nah, it's not necessary or whatever. If he gets even a negligible amount of Bitcoin out of, because who knows how much Bitcoin the Gemini Earn people will get. Yeah, he's gonna immediately self custody. Like yeah. there's no, he just can't right now because he doesn't have any Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. I, I think they'll get some, uh, some out of some Bitcoin back. Um, but yeah, I mean, Barry is saying that if this trust is taken away from him, uh, I mean, it's in the documentation of the trust that uh, while they can redeem people in kind in Bitcoin, they're going to just liquidate the trust into cash and redeem everyone in cash. Uh, and it's kind of like it's a gun to the head kind of thing. Yeah, it's like if you try to take this from Cheap us, we're gonna fucking take. Yeah, exactly. So that would be the it, if if it was all liquidated into cash in a disorderly way, um, just to be a dick, just to be a dick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which would be the ultimate. When we talk about rage quits, yeah, such a better rage quit than Mike Hearn when it's right. like I'm selling three percent of all the Bitcoin and crashing the price. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, have some cash on the side, some some piggy bank money. Uh, not, to pick I up some sats, really. no cash on the side. Sell some lemonade, uh, Matt, because uh, you can get some cheap sats. Balaji told me hyperinflation was hitting in two, three <laughs> weeks. There's, there's no, sh- there's no shot in hell I'm holding any of that U.S. dollar shitcoin. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, wow. Well, we'll see what happens. It should be interesting. But fuck Barry, so dude, um, that's that's he, my. He's the Sam Bankman Freed, but like, w- like without the League of Legends aspect, like. He is SBF and he just is more polished and he has better lawyers and he knows what he's doing better than Sam did. More successful, yeah. Uh, yeah, but he was running the same scam. I almost feel like, like, uh, uh, SBF was like working at Jump or wherever it was that he was from. Where did he work? Uh, not Jump, uh, um, uh, State Street, not State Street, uh, Jane. He worked at Jane, Jane, yeah. Jane Street. He's like at Jane Street and he's like seeing Barry's like game. He's like, he's like wow, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh he was uh, like his fiat protege. Yeah. So I mean, getting rid of SBF is gonna be a huge tangible benefit to uh Bitcoin and getting rid of Barry is gonna be a huge benefit. Think about how many billions of Bitcoin Barry sold when he gave that Bitcoin to these other scams who just went and fucking sold it. Right. Like he's been the source of so much selling of Bitcoin and so much paper Bitcoin and right? so much paper Bitcoin. Yeah. So, um, I half joke that we would have had 200 K by conference day if it wasn't for Barry. I dude, if it wasn't for Barry and if it wasn't for Sam, yeah, then I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think of like Scooby-Doo if it wasn't for those, those meddling, meddling suits. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, dude, it's it's quite the saga, man. It's quite the saga. Um, it's exciting. Yeah, it's just another chapter in Bitcoin history. Well, it seems like it's been keeping you busy. It has been. Um, so David, we're. Uh, I know. I know time is tight. Uh, we. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, before we wrap, you. I mean, your your flagship Bitcoin festival. I don't even think it's a conference. It's more of a festival. Festival. Is happening in what forty three days or something like that? Forty five. May sixteenth to eighteenth. May eighteenth to twentieth. I thought. May eighteenth to fuck. <laughs> hey, you could be right. I don't know. The <laughs> CK is going to kill me on that. One. Um, 
Yeah, man. It's the bear market edition. So CK has like a ticker in the Slack that like tells you how many days are left. May 18th to 20th. Sorry, my head's yeah. a little bit out there. Good. I'm glad I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I could have been. Uh, yeah, it's the bear market edition. So, you know, this year, instead of having a music festival, we're going to have mayonnaise sa- sandwiches in a tent city. Um, a little bit of fire fest. A little bit of fire fest. But um, it is it's the builder conference. It's the conference without all of the uh, flamboyancy of uh, we're all buying Lambos. And it's more like the uh, we're all broke. So we got to make this thing, you know, build this thing and make bear, it work. The bear market event. Bear, the, yeah, exactly. Which honestly is like the shtick I prefer, uh, you know, the it's uh, higher signal automatically, automatically. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, coming up in 45, 46 days. Um, it's going to be awesome. We have uh, people from the real world coming to, to integrate or announce things with Bitcoin. Um, some people from different nation states, big corporations, etc. We have uh, cool people within the space building awesome open source projects, building controversial projects. Um, you know, uh, I'm excited to hear from Casey Rotomore at the at the conference, uh, even though that's going to be, you know, uh, we've gotten some flack for that. But I do uh, like the drama. You, you know, drama means uh, it's relevant, but. Uh, you know, I just like seeing people do shit with Bitcoin and it's like, you know, the haters like, you know, there's one way to get me to do something. Yep. It's to tell me. I've heard you say this. So many I can't, times I, I can't do it. Yeah. It's like, like you can't have this speaker. It's like, I need that speaker. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, I don't even, I, I am not interested in NFTs in the, in the slightest. When people told me you can't have ordinals on Bitcoin, first fucking thing I did was get an ordinals wallet and figure out how to buy one of these things just to be like, fuck you. Yeah, I can. So, um, did you buy any rare sets? No, I've been trying to. You're an idiot. Um, I'm why? Because <laughs> rare sets are dumb. Yeah. Uh, the, the inscription side, like makes sense to me to a degree. Like obviously like Bitcoin chain is going to outlive all of us. Right. So if, if you want to, immortalize something there's obviously the, hieroglyphs there's a value to do it on the bitcoin chain yeah but like one sat being worth a million sats just i yeah i don't follow that yeah it doesn't make well that just sounds like craziness yeah crazy. it just sounds like greater fool theory or whatever it's just well like, if, if there... someone wants to buy my sat for a million sats like i'll sell it to you yeah okay sweet do you have any rare sats? I have no idea. <laughs> you should chat. Every sat is a rare sat. That that is true, but I want the rarest ones. No, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, I do buy in. Like, okay, this is is ordinals, etc. It's like just social convention or whatever. But uh, the concept of there being like, yeah, it's not j- even enforced by the chain. It's just like a religion. You decide what is rare. Yeah, and not. right. But uh, the idea of there being like like objectively rare events that happen in like block time is cool. Like the fact that like, okay, there's a halving that happens. If I could having uh, halving halving <laughs> agree to disagree. <laughs> Continue. Uh, 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 the like that happens. If I could own the whole block that was mine. Well, we've already seen that pre-ordinals. Like I remember like Chinese mining pools. Would yeah. Sell- yeah, they would all compete to try and get that first block. Effort. So imagine if you like owned that block and like the Bitcoin and the mining reward from that block. That'd be fucking dope. Yeah, but Ordinals doesn't prove that. Like that's different than 
uh, having you know the Coinbase or like wasn't it? Uh, it was one of the Chinese pools. They were selling the gold coins. Yeah, that, like, BTC, BTC. That China. was paid out of the Coinbase reward. So actually, like the blocks, you know, yeah, the block reward of that block. Yeah. So you're saying that you think that's dope? I'm not saying it's dope. I'm saying there's validity to that. I think. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't purchase that collector's item. The only. I think every Bitcoiner, well, most Bitcoiners has some dark collectible past. You know, I have signed basketballs. I have, you know, my family got wrecked on Beanie Babies, you know, like all this shit. But like now sats are just my, I don't do any other collectible nonsense. It's just like I try and stack as many sats as possible. What, what's the, how many halvings are there? Halvings. H- halvings? How many halvings? 16? It, it just keeps having forever. You know? No, it, it, it ends at a cer- uh, certain point, like 20... Uh, uh, 2140? Yeah, tw- yeah, 2140. Projected it. And then it, it never halves again after that? Correct. Yeah. The So the yeah. uh, so there's like... I thought it was just like a negligible having after that. No, it, it ends at that point. Okay. The um, uh, But the... Uh, so like there's only going to be... 24 of those in history or uh i think it's 24 24 of those in history and it's like uh uh for forever you know like like you know what if you had the first fucking gold coin that was ever minted in like human history that's that's fucking cool so uh anyway so the ordinals is the poor man's version of that because it's just social convention and now we instead of having to get the whole block reward you can just get uh you know a sad of the block reward i don't know i think it's kind of cool uh, uh, personally think it's bullshit but people can do whatever they want to do. <laughs> exactly so uh, uh, so anyway we got Casey speaking at the conference we um, uh, have some cool freedom fighters speaking of rare sats that are stupid we got Julian Assange is going to be uh, taking some of his rare sats that are from his wallet from the original uh, uh, WikiLeaks donations hmm. uh, and auctioning a few of them off goes to a good cause but you yeah. know it's kind of cool. Um, free Assange. Free Assange. Um, and uh, and I think I think the org does a really good job. Like the conferences do a really good job with physical art. And I oh yeah, I think a lot of this drama is kind of pulling away from that. Yeah, it's the largest Bitcoin physical art gallery in the world for sure. Um, and as much as I know you're a big collector of Bitcoin physical art, I haven't been able to justify it yet in my soon i would like to be a massive art patron in the future but i just I, the purchasing power of bitcoin is not high yeah. yet for me to justify that but uh the actual physical art collection that is showcased there is 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 truly impressive yeah like millions of dollars of art move every year and and uh for like artists that create this like it's like a big opportunity for them to like make a year's income in right. one day um but yeah i mean it's uh you know the the conference is to be a showcase of bitcoin culture and like every cultural revolution that's ever occurred it's like driven by culture art music uh the things that people interact with and touch in their daily lives so yeah we we make art front and center um you know we make the philosophy of bitcoin front and center uh we make the technology of Bitcoin front and center and we make the business of Bitcoin front and center. And we try to be a platform for all of it to come together. The parts that clash, they clash, but um, you know, ultimately we want to make the dopest celebration of freedom uh, on the planet. We want this to be like a pilgrimage where um, you know, like I've described it before as like burning man meets like South by Southwest meets like money 2020. Like, you know, we want to be uh 
something absolutely unique that uh, inspires people around the world to adopt and evangelize Bitcoin. So uh, we got a sh- cool show coming together for Miami, 45 days. There's going to be lots of May announcements. 18th to 20th. 18th to 20th. Um, and get your ticket to the conference. And if you can't afford a ticket, hit us up. We have discounts basically for an infinite number of reasons, made up reasons. Uh, like cost should not be a barrier to anyone to attend this conference. Um, we just have to not go bankrupt in the process of putting it on. So that's why we charge what we charge. But if you can't afford a ticket, hit us up and we'll, we'll get you a discount code. And you had some close calls there with bankruptcy too. So, uh- Oh, you mean it when you say it. Oh, many. <laughs> uh, and I mean, to talk my own book, if you go to b.tc slash conference slash open source, if you're an open source contributor, you can apply there for uh, a free ticket. Um, so definitely consider that. Definitely for the open source crowd. Get your free ticket. I mean, it's like, uh, it's a no brainer. We're at like, I think we've given away a little over 120 open source tickets. And CK says I'm a failure if I don't get to 200. So get to 200. The the I think pitch day maybe just closed or it's about to close. We've had like 250 companies apply for pitch day. That's awesome. Um, and so we're gonna bring the best 20 to the conference and have them pitch to VCs. But dude, I mean, every year cool shit comes out of it. I think Swan came out of uh, Bitcoin 2019. Zebedee came out of Bitcoin 2019. Uh, Albi, the Lightning extension. I mean, lots of companies come out of the conference. And dude, that's why we do it. It's like to bring together great, great minds, uh, uh, great investors, um, great technologists and like build shit, create shit. That's the goal. You know, freaks, a lot of you give me shit for 200K by conference day. But before 200K by conference day existed, I told everyone to stack at the all time high of $13,000, which was at Bitcoin 2019. And I had to live in that shadow for two years. Uh, I don't expect this time to be any different. And uh, one day, one day I'll get out of the shadow of the 200. <laughs> pretty soon. Pretty soon. People made fun of me for years after that Bitcoin 2019 event. That was a fun event. Dude, that event was uh, on the roof of the parking garage. That was dope. That in was the failed dope. city of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the shadow of uh, uh, Citibank or whatever. Yeah, there was the, a bank right Yeah. There, right. Uh, I think I'll, I'll say this, like one of my goals for this conference when we started going back to Bitcoin 2019 was like, we were just coming off the block wars and it was like, okay, let's bring the community. Which, by the way, fuck Barry again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The New York agreement. Wow. Uh, so it was like, let's bring back OG Bitcoiners and, and OG Bitcoin vibes and realign the community over the things that we agree on and like Nakamoto consensus and like put the past just like fucking who cares about it? Like, let's just focus on building what we need to build. And uh, my goal has been to get Roger Veer and Jihan Wu. You tried to do that in 2019. Yeah. To come to the conference and participate, but they have to abide by the rules, which is they can't talk about any other fucking crypto. They can't talk about Bitcoin cash. They have to like say positive things like contribute positively to, to Bitcoin. And I've gotten close to getting Roger before, but he just every year he just chickens out and he he, he can't he can't follow the rules. Um, I think Jihan is going to come this year. He's been really quiet. He has been really quiet, and uh, he's he's gotten back to his Bitcoin roots. To the new freaks out there, he's the head of of Bitmain, uh, of the a l- former head, founder of Bitmain. Uh, I think now he's not he's not in the day to day anymore, but he's also the first person to translate the Satoshi white paper into Chinese. 
He's really the founder of the Chinese Bitcoin community. So we have Kiwi in the chat saying, fuck that. Why would you want him there? Uh, why would we want him there? Because And then he said, fuck your mother if you want to fuck. <laughs> this is a famous <laughs> yeah. tweet. Anyone who can contribute positively to Bitcoin, we want there. Like that's that's the key thing. Like it all that matters is freeing humanity with sound money and free money. And uh, uh, if the Taliban wanted to adopt Bitcoin, I would give them the stage. Like if if like if anyone, I mean, honestly, I, I there's there's no bones to pick. All that matters is that Bitcoin wins. And so uh, uh, my goal is that we could see Jihan come to the conference, return to his roots and start a new Bitcoin company focused on Bitcoin Nakamoto consensus. Now, that's a controversial take, but I'm going to stand by it because that's the point of fucking Bitcoin. Bitcoin's for your enemies. Bitcoin's for all people. If you can contribute to it, come build it. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with everything uh, that you think, but uh, I respect it. And uh, <laughs> hopefully the takeaway of this is that the Taliban is going to be at Bitcoin 2024. We'll see. Big announcement big coming annou soon. <laughs> big, big announcement. Um, David, this has been great. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap? No, man. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for uh, making Nashville, uh, putting Nashville on the map for uh, uh, freedom money in the U.S. There you go. I'm going to... I'm going to make sure that Nashville becomes the Bitcoin capital of the world just to get you back for your 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 rug pull when I first moved here. <laughs> All right. Fair uh, deal. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Freaks. Thanks for joining us. Um, huge shout out to our guest, David. Hopefully he will join us again at some point. Uh, I love these in-person reps. The in-person reps are just so good. Thank you for joining me in my studio. Um, yeah, huge shout out to the Freaks and uh, stay humble, stack sets. Cheers. Rock on, people.